Blog Talk Radio. of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective. You know, I haven't had Hauntress, but um, not many Geek Girls tonight, just the one. Um, so I'm going to do an episode on something that's become a new obsession of mine, and not really a new one, a rekindling, so to speak. Um, about a year and a half ago, I forget what cable station, on Saturday night started showing New Japan Pro Wrestling on TV. I started watching and got kind of hooked on it. It's so fun and quaint. It reminds me of what I used to love back in the day when I was a huge fan of Rowdy, Rowdy Piper and Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. And we'll talk about that more later. But then this tall, darkened, mohawkish man walked into my life. His name is Lance Archer. And when they canceled New Japan Pro Wrestling on said cable station, I started, I followed him to the All Elite Wrestling, and here we are. So, wrestling is back in a big way. It is revived. It has gotten some kind of, I don't know, injection. And it is now, I think some of the best wrestling I've ever seen has been in the last year and a half. And I want to bring on people that know a lot more about this than I do, because I'm just a fan. I just enjoy it. I enjoy the show, but there are people that really are into this stuff. And we're not going to just talk about the pros. We'll talk about some indie, death matches, all sorts of stuff. Whatever you want to talk about, please call in. Join us, 646-716-9172. This is the Sexy Witches, 646-716-9172. The Sexy Witches are looking forward to your call. But I can't do this alone. Oh, no, I cannot do this alone. I've got a guest host tonight, too, a panel we don't normally have, but then again, they've been on the show a lot, so they're practically family anyways. But first, let's talk about those from the Atlanta area, where they love their indie matches down in the south. And please, let's first bring on to the show, director of Mother Goose, or News Presents, <laughs> Once Upon a Nightmare, Please welcome to the show, Director Richard Welcome, Richard. How you doing? I'm doing great after that intro. Like, I need intro music. That's amazing. Well, it's a wrestling show. Of course we're going to have intro music. Now, granted, we're using other people's music, 
But these are all are some of our favorite wrestlers of all time. We gotta give them a shout out, right? Oh, so, yeah. uh, so before we bring on the super uber expert tonight, where do you <laughs> fall on the level of expertise when it comes to uh, wrestling? Are you a fan? Are you a super nerd? Where do you fall? I am kind of like you. I'm a new fan. I uh, watched it when I was a kid, you know, and then it's like, oh, you're supposed to grow out of it. But after doing horror movies and everything and going to all these conventions, I realized horror and wrestling, two sides of the same coin. Everyone's into wrestling, and they kind of got me into it. So I've been doing it, I think, about two years now. I've been kind of trying to get it, and today it's just a dead panic going, oh, my God, there's actually going to be experts talking about this. I should probably learn everything I can. So it's been a cram session today. Well, you know what? I actually didn't like research, research, even though I did research, but all I did basically today was watch intros. Just people walking mm. in. Because my favorite thing about the wrestling is the intro. And so, last but not least, we're going to bring on our actual expert. Not only is he the mad scientist of violence, he's actually helped design death matches. Matter of fact, the first time I met this man, he was actually working on something called the Carnage Cup, which was an indie, I believe, and he'll give me, he can tell the details, but like an indie death match thing that he was working on. And I opened up the door because I have to go, like, give direction real quick. So I get out of the car I'm in and jump into his. And I can't because there is a uh, crutch with bob wire wrapped around the top of it. And there's also a crosscut saw. Um, which promptly moves to the black slightly so I can sit down and I get in the car. We've been friends ever since. <laughs> and please welcome back to the show the Uber geek when it comes to this. He, this is his wheelhouse. Please welcome to the show the son of Celluloid, Nathan Hamilton. How you doing, sir? Welcome back. I am doing great. Like I told you, this is the only episode of any podcast I think I've ever done that I had to do. No. Oh, sweet. I get the Undertaker's music. Of course you that do. I have to do no prep for, which is awesome. And I, I was the mad scientist of violence when I was designing death matches. Now I'm just known as the voice of violence. So that, that's that's my new moniker. Well, but, like you guys have been talking, I've been a fan for over two decades. I've been involved in the business for like seven or eight years now. I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, <laughs> you, you could say I'm a little bit obsessed. That's great because you're going to fill in the gaps where uh, Richard and I fall because I'm sure we're just going to let you roll with this one tonight. I'm also undefeated on wrestling trivia nights at Mars. Well, I I, I want to tell you that I'm right now currently undefeated at horror trivia. So, you know, there's that. But, you know. I I believe Doc Terror beat us both. He did. I'm not talking about podcasting. I'm talking about the last two conventions <laughs> I did. I, I won. Oh, no, I, I just won, had to bring that one up. I, I won Texas Frightmare. I was very proud when Re- Re- Rebecca McKendry and Blumhouse were the ones hosting. It. So <laughs> I won. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, Stiff I digress. And by the way, Richard, Yo. from now on, every time you walk in a room I'm in, I'm just yelling, ho, ho. I'm all for it, man. Let's make that a thing. I would like to be called Hacksaw. That's a good nickname. Hacksaw was amazing. Hacksaw like, Richard Tanner. <laughs> like, 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 
you know, Hacksaw was so much fun. You know, that was the era that I really was into wrestling. I mean, I was really into I even go back a little bit farther. It goes back well, you know, you were talking about like Richard said that horror and uh, wrestling is the sides of uh, two, the two sides of the same coin. Obviously, Undertaker is right there. Got it, right? <laughs> but it goes back even farther than that because um, the first time I saw professional wrestlers ever in my entire life was when I saw the movie uh, Mighty Joe Young. And my father sat me down and explained all these people to me. I don't today. I can't tell you, Nathan. Can you actually list the people that are in Mighty Joe Young? Excuse me. Mighty Joe Young, the, the wrestler. There's a sequence where they actually use professional wrestlers in Mighty Joe Young. It was the first time I ever saw professional wrestlers, and it is. And I'm trying to remember. There's a couple of famous, like at the time, famous people. Do you remember who they were? I didn't do the research on that today because I was looking at a more recent stuff. But well, let's test them because I'm looking at it now because I decided to type it in. Yeah. Okay. So. Let me let me see. Um, there was uh, Wee Willie. He was in there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Oh God. He's doing better Billy. than I would have. <laughs> Oh, this is a hard one. Uh, this is going to be the hardest was, question of the night. There guys that went by the name Killer something, and it was Killer Carl. I can't remember his last name. Davis. Um. What? Carl Davis? Killer yes, Davis. Yes, that was it. Yep. That was it. Um, <laughs> you are such a badass. Uh, we also there was, got. Um, let's see. Swedish I can give Angel. You a... I have no idea what his real name was, but he went by the name Swedish Angel. Let's see. Yeah, the sweetest angel. Um, I'm looking at the list. Here it is, if you want to know. It's uh, Slam and Sammy Meneker, Ian Batchelor, who was called Max the Iron Man, um, Henry Kulke, Bomber Henry Kulke, Carl the Killer Davis. You were right on that one. Even Ivan um, Rasputin, which was Matt Rasputin, oh Matt Russian, who was Hold way I'm famous. Mad. I didn't get that one. I'm so mad you just said even because I'm reading the same thing you are. And I went, even Rasputin. And I'm like, that's not right. Hold on. <laughs> Ivan. Ivan. <laughs> Willie Wee, we, we, Willie Davis, as you meant. And then Mount, mm-hmm. Mountain, uh, Man Mountain Dean and Phil Olfenson, that's the Swedish angel. And I think there's one other, it kind of a primo, maybe? I don't know. But anyway, that that was the first my first introduction to wrestling. And so once again, Mighty Joe Young, not quite a horror film, but close enough. Like, it's kind of gone hand-in-hand hand over the years. Like, it, it really, there's, like, you see a lot of professional wrestlers play slasher villains. We get that a lot. Um, you know, there's definitely an overlap. But here's where my it's life because, overlaps. It's because okay. professional wrestlers are adept and they make their living making it look like they're killing someone without killing them. That's why they're great at playing horror movie villains. Well, and and as we know, these are some of the best stunt people in the world. I, I wrestlers is one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I love it. They are the best stunt people. I mean, come on, Jimmy Snuka was one of the most amazing aerialists I have ever seen in my entire life. Period. Like, there, you know, there's an apocryphal story. No one can really say if it's true or not, but it's oh, it's been legend that it's been said that on the set of Paradise Alley, the Sylvester Stallone movie, mm-hmm. um, Terry Funk is in that movie. He's one of the guys in one of the bar fights and all the other guys were kind of snickering like, what's the wrestler doing here? And Sylvester Stallone himself stopped the shooting and he went over to all the other stunt guys and he's like, this would take you a week to put together. 
they just did it on the fly in an hour. Fuck you. <laughs> I like that. So, yeah. I when, mean, when you get respect like that from the people in Hollywood, of course they're going to use you. Well, and Roddy Piper, of course. I mean, you know, they live, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, it, a lot of people like The Thing is their favorite Carpenter. I always go The Thing. Uh, I, I love The Thing, but it's always going to be They Live. And partly because my father and I had a bond over that film. But it's just, like, his performance is fantastic. Um, and, you know, and going back to Roddy and how great he was, it wasn't just that he was the greatest heel ever, which he was. Uh, he the Piper's Pit was revolutionary on the show. It became such an important part, and I actually never ever thinking that I'd be a wrestler. Always looked up to the guys who were the orators, like uh, who would talk, like Buzzley Love and Bobby the Brain Eden, and all the commentators. And I would always root them on Jesse the Body Ventura, one of my favorites. Um, you know, all of the wonderful wrestlers and, and commentators and now there's actually female referees in AEW that makes me so excited um, and I used one of her pictures tonight so there's it, it, it's kind of neat to see all of this and go back this is where I have a wrestling connection supposedly this is family folklore so I can't honestly tell you it's true but I looked at the timelines and it could have possibly happened supposedly my grandmother went on a date with gorgeous George that is dope. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is a story to be passed down from generation to generation. It was. She had a collection of gold hairpins from him. I believe that was something he would give people or throw to the audience or something. I don't know much about him other than, like, what I learned from my family. But my grandmother, I'm not really that surprised. She was tough. She like was a fisherman. She drove a camper. She was into roller, you know, roller derby. I mean, my my grandmother was and grew a huge garden on top of everything else. She was kind of a badass, and I get a lot of my strength from her. I named my daughter after her, so that the idea that she probably did date have a date with Gorgeous George completely does not surprise me. She would turn on wrestling. It would be on in the background on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> you don't by chance letter. know the current location of those, do you? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. Controversy. Didn't find them when she died. <laughs> we don't know what happened to them. So, no. I would... No, I actually, that was one of the things I asked for. I never, like, you know, I was like, can I have a pin? You know, but nope. So we don't know what happened to the pins. That's, like I said, controversy, family controversy, we'll never know. Most of her stuff was destroyed in a fire a few years back. So yeah, that's the end of that. But yeah. it's still, it's kind of a cool folklore for my family to say. I always thought that was kind of cool. So uh, you know, yeah, so awesome. I do have, yeah, I, I, so I do have a connection with wrestling. My my neighbors had um, the cable. I I had some cable, but I really didn't. I have to go to their house, but we'd watch uh, all of it. Um, anything that was on like the 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 UHF channels of, and that would include WWF and NWE and Glow. I watched all three seasons of Glow when I was a kid, um, and. Um, and I, yes, I love the TV show. And uh, 
Uh, let's see. Also, but and there was an animated show when I was a kid. I used to watch. Did you guys watch that? No, it was good. It was Iron Sheik hmm. was like this, and Roddy Piper were kind of the big bads. Like they owned the gang of the evil wrestlers, and then Hulk Hogan oh was God. the leader of the good wrestlers. I did and, watch that. I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> Because they did a music video that had them intro in it once. I remember this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, It always always threw me. It always threw me about that show. Why did they not use the wrestlers as the voice talent? It's all voice actors. None of the wrestlers play themselves. It's really weird, right? Like, there's no reason yeah, for it not to. Yeah, when you're listening, to... like, that's not what Hulk Hogan sounds like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were talking about Hulk Hogan, who obviously, for for mainstream, he was the one that everybody knew. Like, like he brought the world yeah. into wrestling in the 80s. Yeah. But, yeah. but Nathan didn't like him because he wrestled his favorite people. But I liked it because he mm-hmm. did wrestle my favorite people. And I, I always thought the matches were fun. And the day that he rescued Randy Savage with the help of uh, lovely Elizabeth was the day that I started watching on a regular basis. And, dude, you know, the manager named Leslie Elizabeth, and, and she was wrestling, managing the best wrestler in the world at the time, Randy Savage, who also, by the way, is one of my favorite commentators of all like he was really he fucking was good my on favorite the mic. food spokesperson <laughs> well oh, everyone yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad though that that's like what people know him by even now but he was really amazing like on on camera i mean he was just he filled the fucking room Right and and Plus, like him, daniel day lewis of wrestlers there he did not yeah, break character very few more magnetic screen presences ever in a, an industry that thrives on screen presence than Randy Savage. It, my favorite all-time rival that wasn't like Undertaker or, or one of those guys would probably be Randy Savage and the millionaire Ted DiBiase. Absolutely two of my favorite to watch go at it. I mean, they, they were the best in, in the 80s and early 90s. I don't know if you remember how badass Ted DiBiase was. I know that Nathan knows everything about all these guys, but uh, it was quite a fun show. I mean, Take the Snake, I watched the episode where Take the Snake went from a good to heel because Tugboat killed his bow constrictor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually was, I was watching that episode with my father. And like I felt really bad for the snake. I tell you, even though I know it wasn't, it was not gonna die. They didn't harm a snake, but then he started using a cobra, and I felt really bad for the cobra because the cobra seemed really upset all the time. <laughs> like the poor thing. Like, but anyway, I digress. So that was about the towards the end of when I stopped watching. Somewhere after that, I, I was do you, telling. Do you remember Nathan, Jake's cobra biting Randy Savage? Yeah, yes, I do. That? Absolutely. I well, watched I remember, that episode. Oh my I god, I totally thought. You guys know there's one thing I'm terrified of. It's serpents. And mm-hmm. I remember being I was probably nine years old when that, maybe ten when that happened. And he tied um you know, tied him up to the in the ropes 
And that cobra is gnawing on his arm. They're like, that is not, there's no kayfabing that. There is no, no, that thing, it was, you know, of course it was demonized, but the, actually Jake tells the story. He told it on the, um, the documentary, uh, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. I think he told it there. But he said that Randy Savage was so paranoid that he had not gotten the snake devenomized that he made him let the cobra bite him first. <laughs> He's like, I'm, brother, I'm not doing it unless you let that snake bite you first. <laughs> so, yeah, but I remember that traumatized me as a kid. Like that I, I believe right it, knowing, knowing your snake fear, but I, I, mm-hmm. I actually was more mad about them making a snake so upset they were biting so much. <laughs> Random side it. note, my next movie is going to be called um, In the Valley of Snakes, starring Nathan Hamilton. I don't know if y'all knew this, but yeah. This is exactly how I like to find things out. Like, Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> on air. Well, it's, it sounds like you're, you're going to definitely, like, a solid, like, your, your death on camera is going to be continuous with that scenario. Because he's going to yeah, die. Yeah, i the movie I've been in. No. We were having this conversation a while back. I've I've been in a few movies now, and I've never gotten out of one alive. So I'm going to survive <laughs> at least one movie, damn it. It probably won't I, be one of Richard's. No. I'm only in one movie, and I died in it, too. Of course, I died the most stupid way on the Dance Dance Revolution pads in Beats of Rage. But, you know, hey, I still died, right? So, ooh, yeah. hey, death anyway. is death, right? Yeah, no, I actually dying on camera is a, is something that everyone should aspire to. I really do think that. So, speaking of Jake the Snake, let's bring it to the present. He's still around, and he is now the manager of my favorite wrestler, Lance Archer. <laughs> and he's on AEW. Now, that's what I call a segue. <laughs> yeah, right? AEW. Okay, so New Japan Pro Wrestling got canceled on this. I don't even remember a cable station. It was like TNN or something like Axis. It was just it was an Axis. Okay, I didn't even know. I was on one of my Sling channels and I would watch it. And he was just so magnetic on on that show. And so when he popped up finally in AEW, I was so happy and relieved to see him there. And and not just him. A lot of those guys suddenly came over, and of course with COVID, we did we we had you know kind of like this this thing happened where this big isolated bubble of wrestling happened in the last year. But I think AEW has thrived in an odd way in this time of COVID, and they are putting on they're putting on some of the best shows I have ever seen. And and I and it's not aimed at children like the WWE was per se, even though I think I would argue that's not completely true. But but this is definitely aimed at an older crowd. So this is you know all ages. This is a family thing. People stop and watch the show together. I'm about to go to a party on St. Patrick's Day and watch the episode while we're there. Uh, so. You know, it's really, really fun and popular and super addictive. And uh, so what, what, why does this, and, and they won, oh, and by the way, their ratings are now better than WWE. Now, WWE had a kind of a brand hit when it started doing those Saudi Arabia shows. I really think that's what happened. Uh, but, uh, 
you know, but AEW is, is thriving and becoming its own thing. And it's allowing crossover, which is kind of stunning. So Nathan, why do you, why do I find this product better than most wrestling products out there? Cause there's been other wrestling since WWE went on its slump. There's been other, there's impact wrestling and there's all these other things that out there, but for some reason I latched onto this one like 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 with cat claws. What what did, how do you feel about it? And where does it come from? Think, let's go let's talk I think that it's killing it right now for a couple of different reasons. Number one, since WCW went out of business, there has not been another wrestling company besides WWE that's had the kind of exposure and accessibility that AEW's had. Being on, you know, TNN, being on a major cable network, being you know, a, a major nationally, uh, you know, not even syndicated, a major network show. There hasn't been that since WWE went out of business. I mean, you've had all the indies. You've had M- Impact has bounced back and forth between, like, TNN and the TV Guide Network and, like, you know, the stuff that you had to, you know, unplug the TV and put your antenna in and wait till 2 in the morning to watch, that kind of stuff. Like, kind of like I used to watch ECW back in the day. But So you got to be a hardcore to watch that. But the AEW – is speaking to those fans that did have gotten out of it. Like, I'll be honest, WWE's product is hard to watch today. They have the best damn roster they have ever had, like talent-wise, but the writers are so bad that the, t- the show is just unwatchable. And there are a lot of fans that absolutely love wrestling, but are just like, I can't watch this shit. And then uh, here comes I... AEW. With, yeah, uh... but here comes AEW, and it's like, they took the best off the indies, and they, they're what, what used to be called a super indie, which is where you take all the best wrestlers on the indies and put them on one card. And they do that every Wednesday night on a network that millions upon millions upon millions of people get. Therefore, they're going to have a hit because they're offering an alternative, and they're offering a good alternative. I, I was telling you that though I checked out of, of pro wrestling around 98 and that was the Sting Inferno match with his brother Kane. And that was the last wrestling match I saw for years. Like that was it. I was done. I missed most of the Sting years and the Rock years and the Goldberg years. I missed all. I played and never watched him. Um, there was a cup, a little bit of overlap. Sting was in there a little bit, but not really the big thing that we all knew. <laughs> it's funny. I forgot what Sting used to look like, and I know him more with the blue face than I did as the goth thing that we're getting now. That's also now in AEW. Um, so he he's making a comeback as well. But, um, I will um, say Sting is one of only two wrestlers I ever was for Halloween. So. <laughs> I was staying one year. Your hair I was would work. Jack for one year. So, <laughs> those are the only two wrestlers I've ever dressed as for Halloween. Uh, so, let me ask you this, Nathan. Who's your favorite uh, uh, indie wrestler that is now, that got his name as an indie wrestler that is now working for AEW? Oh, my God. My favorite indie wrestler is now an AEW. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, Maybe, probably. It would be a tie for two reasons. Um, if we are going strictly on in-ring work, Darby Allen. Because that dude is, he's the rubber band man. Like, you can't <laughs> break that guy. 
Like, he's the only man that I actually believe might kill himself doing a suicide dive. He like, he might actually takes die. a beating. Like, I have never seen a guy allow himself to get his ass kicked as hard as Darby Allen does. He really gets You remember him. that spot they oh did my God. where where Brian Cage, who, like, I don't think that guy's human. He's, he's like someone left Brock Lesnar in the washing machine too long, and he just shrank a little bit. He's, like, stupid strong. And he puts him in a body bag and powerbombs him over the top of him. And dude landed straight on his head. And he <laughs> was back the next week. Like, that's a, that's a potentially career-ending injury. You know? Yeah. Darby Allen's but pretty good. I'll, I'll tell you a dream match. It'll never happen, of course. Because, But if I had a time machine and could put a wrestling show together, I would have Darby Allen of right now versus Jeff Hardy circa 1997. Ooh. Can you imagine that? <laughs> that would be good. That's, like, that's a video game right there. Yeah. The other guys that you said, my, my other favorite personal favorite is Eddie Kingston because in ring is only half of wrestling. The other half is on the mic. I mean, that, that's how you get people interested. That's how you make people want to see you win or see you get your ass kicked and be willing to pay their hard-earned money to do so. And Eddie Kingston can sell anything. Like, you believe whatever comes out that dude's mouth, you believe it is 100% true because half the time it is. So I think Eddie Kingston honestly is the the best, per, the best mic man, the best interview in the business right now, and I love that he's gotten because I've been following him for fucking twenty years on the Indies, and I love that he's gotten the platform he has. Well, like, and he's example, growing on me. He, he's absolutely growing on me. At first, I wasn't sure how I felt about Eddie Kingston, but the more I watch him, the more I like him. And uh, I really enjoyed I rewatched today his match with Lance Archer. Um, he had a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Of course and you it's did. It's really fun. But of course I did. Um, <laughs> it's really fun. But also, like he, his his damage control on the Bob Wire death match was just priceless. Uh, well, I remember that's that's what, so was that the guy, I was about to ask. Was that the guy who did the blocking at the end of it? <laughs> That just ruined yeah, the whole match. That was the guy who came out and like was supposed to shield him from a giant explosion that didn't happen. It's like they <laughs> went to the fireworks store. They're like, "Yo, man, we don't have any of the uh, no M40s. All we got is the uh, sparklers. You want a sparkler, dude? It'll look the same at night. No one's gonna care." But you know what? Here's what ha- like I was I was so excited for that match. Like this was the first exploding barbed wire death match we're having on American soil since XBW did it like 20 years ago. Like the first one in a major company and like, like I've had farts more explosive than that and nothing like the regular ones came out well, but that last one, when you needed the ring to blow up, it like, like you said, it was like, I've, there's been more than that in my driveway on the 4th of July and in two minutes, in two minutes, Eddie Kingston all of a sudden made me not care that that ending of that match sucked. <laughs> like, that, that is amazing. Like, I remember when Eddie Kingston made his debut against Cody, and half of the internet is like, who the fuck is this guy? And the other half is like, oh, this is about to be good. So, like, some of us knew the secret, some of us didn't, but everyone's finally catching on that that guy is old. 
I've noticed that Cody Rhodes is in a lot of first matches with a lot of people, including Eddie Kingston. And they were showing um, his first major match with um, AEW, which I know they've met before, but um, in um, was it Kenny Omega and, and Cody Rhodes. And the, the Cody Rhodes family was someone that I actually watched Dusty Rhodes as a, as a kid. So I actually knew who that guy was. I was like, oh. Yes, you know, I'm such a nerd. Like, I totally forgot, like, Dusty Rhodes was for years. And then we have this, like, tall, but blonde, and I don't know. He confuses me. As I, I've told you this before. There's the only problem I have with Cody Rhodes is that I think he's awesome, but he confuses me. I don't understand his branding. I don't understand his name. I, I saw pictures of him when he was in the Bullet Club, and he was pretty sexy with dark hair. I think he should go back to the dark hair. Um, Let me tell you okay. one more thing involving some involving Cody. You asked me why AEW is uh, so successful. Another one is a great example. Is do you remember when Cody was doing that open challenge every week? It's the same way Eddie Kingston came in, but one week he wrestled a dude named Warhorse. Random one-off dude. You never saw him again. But what happened with that was he was an independent wrestler who managed to go on Twitter and get a, you know, a Warhorse for TNA Championship hashtag over. And AEW listened. They looked at that and said, well, shit, let's bring in Warhorse to do a match because he, they knew the fans wanted it. And WWE is notorious for telling the fans who to cheer and push it down their throats if they don't. That's why people resent John Cena. That's why people resented Roman Reigns until he turned heel. But AEW actually listens to their fans. That's why they are gaining so much momentum, and WWE is not. Well, and they're also that gener- they're this year's generation pro wrestling, that they have this relationship on social media that's extremely organic. Because it's evolved with the times, and and they're, they're they're on Twitter all the time, and they're talking to their fans, and they're interacting, and the the, the videos you can share them, and they're very 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 like I don't they're control their products, but they're very engaging with their fans, and I that keeps everyone like that everyone wants to know what's going to happen next, and they seem to know what they're they seem to be able to predict what their audience wants. Everyone enjoys the out of the big turn last week and nobody saw it coming that's pretty cool in a day like this when you have a predestined wrestling show that you can keep storylines under wraps is pretty impressive you know i I, they're they're doing they're doing everything right and uh i just get confused with cody Rhodes branding that's all it's like i don't know what he's doing like you said in my intro I've been watching wrestling forever, and it's a lot like watching haunts. I like going through haunts, and you can't really scare me, and I'm really impressed when you can because I've seen it all, and I see it coming. It's the same way with wrestling. Like, I can usually connect the dots in the storyline A to B to C. Like, God, I know what's going on. There have been a couple different times that AEW has dropped my jaw, which is awesome. I love that. Like, it's been a long time since any major company has been able to do that. Uh, I was so excited to, once again, my favorite guy, but Ray Phoenix might be like one of my second favorite mm. wrestler on the show. 
Um, he's just one mm-hmm. of the best aerialists I've ever seen. So, of course, to my delight, a few weeks ago, they dad Lance Archer and him do a match together, which I never expected to happen now that Lance is technically, uh, I don't know, is he a face? Is he a heel? We don't know. <laughs> he's somewhere he's great. A, he's what we call a tweener. He's a tweener. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, we but don't no, Ray know. Phoenix is easily, easily the best high flyer in the business right now. He he's incredible, and and uh, their match was delightful, and it was so so half the reason I wanted to go to Atlanta to see Nathan because I went out there a few weeks ago. I was just watch that match with him because I wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That and was, we did. And here's here's Lance Archer, who is what. Six eight, six nine, something like that. Six nine. And he's doing. He's taller than Zidano Chara. Yeah, he's doing rope work with Ray Phoenix. He's like walking the ropes and doing double springboards and shit. It's like he, he, I guess he was just like, okay, I'm working with the best high flyer in the world. I gotta, I gotta bust out every bit of agility. Didn't, I didn't have. they do a reverse Spanish just, cross? That that was the big finale move, right? If they you were like, they just fly off there, and I have no idea how a dude six foot nine even gets all the way around to do that. <laughs> it was incredible, and, and it's even because you know the next weekend, the next week, the commentators even mentioned that they thought mm-hmm. that was one of the best matches of the year. So this season is just yeah, getting like, better. Like you said, you were sitting there with me when we watched that match, and when that happened, like. I popped huge. I was like, holy shit. Like, you, you remember? Yeah, no, it was incredible. And that was the second time I saw it, and I was so excited to watch it again. Uh, which is really, mm-hmm. that's really actually what makes me, because I find pro, pro wrestling to be a little bit on the disposable side, in the sense that there's a lot of filler matches, you watch them, especially in the old school WWE-ass days, where a lot of the matches on Sundays was like big star and somebody local, right? <laughs> That's what you got. You know, one, the headliner right. was maybe two people that you knew, or there was a tag team match with the Rockers and Demolition, which was always a squash matches. Yeah. Yeah. Squash matches against your local Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all you got. But AEW doesn't do that. Um, they they tend to rely. I think they hold a little heavy on the tag team. But I think they do that to have more variety of talent out on stage one time. So I understand why they're doing it. I'd like to see more single stuff, one-on-one stuff on AEW. That might be the only complaint I have, but it's like just a marginal one because, like, see, I will tell you, their battle royales are awesome. <laughs> okay, being from a, the other kind of the the hardcore, more historian type thing, because I like. The WWE, ever since, like, their tag team division was stacked in the night. Uh, you had all kinds of great tag teams. And then they have not paid attention to those belts since. And people are like, where's the tag team wrestling? Why aren't there good tag teams? AEW, again, being the counter to that, has an incredibly stacked w, uh, tag team match, or tag team division. Like, they probably have the best that aren't in New Japan or somewhere like that, like the, probably the nine out of the ten best tag teams in the world right now, uh, with the uh, exception being the Briscoes who are in Ring of Honor. Shout out to them boys. But, like, they went against the grain, and because people were like, why don't we see good tag team wrestling? They're like, you know what? 
here's some good tag team wrestling. And the fact that the Young Bucks are among the guys that started the company doesn't hurt. They were, of course, going to be like, hey, here's tag teams, you know. You have the Young Bucks, but actually the the, the, the um, tag team I was watching a lot of today was Hangman Page and Omega. Uh, they, they were, like, really hot at the beginning of AEW, if I remember right. Um, is, I am I right on that? Mm-hmm. I, I and that shit was really good. I want to make and I want to make it right here on this show, so it's on record, so people can when it happens. Okay. People can be like, "Dude, he called that months ago." Let's, let's, all right. When when we have when we have mass amounts of fans back, like when you know all the vaccinations happen and it's not socially distanced and all that, I think they're waiting for to really get behind Hangman until that happens, and when that happens. You're going to watch Hangman win the belt off Kenny Omega. The first, as soon as he can do it in front of a packed house, you're going to see him win that belt off Kenny Omega. That would be a great match anyways. We know that they, those guys can really throw it down together. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And when they had their um, breakup as a tag team, they just left that hanging. And I think they did that so they could pick it up later. Yeah, well, that's what you you yeah, Okay. I, you've said that to me before, and now it's officially on record. I will make sure I download mm-hmm. and double check this in a couple months and see if that's true. Um, I still <laughs> and, like, and now that Hangman's got his new lawnmower, we can use that in the match and make it a death match. Oh my God! I love the Dark Order Hangman uh, Adam Page drama where the Dark Order is like all earnest trying to get him. Come on, be part of us. Be part of us. And then he's like, eh, no. <laughs> you know, he's like really with. It's so cute and funny. Like the Dark Order went, of course, they split um, uh, to good guys now, but I don't really care about that part. I love all these guys. They're so much fun. Every character is fun. Um, the only character I dislike is 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 Matt Hardy, uh, <laughs> and, and he got his ass kicked. So we're fine. He uh, hangman one, and he now has a riding, riding lawnmower, and it's wonderful. And all the Dwight Yo come on vinyl and. So, uh, with, so, you know, he's and living the life. Yeah, six yep. bottles of whiskey. Only six. He actually was being very conservative, if you think about it. This is the guy who likes quadruple. If I want all of Matt Hardy's money, I'd have bought way more whiskey than that. But, you know, fair enough. <laughs> One of my friends, his favorite tag team on AEW is the best friends. And um, he he, said, he makes sure that I said that the, the um, street fight with the San Hannah and Ortiz was one of the best matches, period, on the show. He he thought that was just absolutely badass. And unfortunately, the one of the, yeah, the street fight out in the out in the parking oh my lot. God, that was great. Yeah, so I had to bring that up. I was told, um, if, if like they said, that's that is right there is why the show works. That <laughs> you know, and one of them got hurt. Okay, you can. Oh. Parking lot brawls are usually done terribly. The last really good one I can remember was Eddie Guerrero. Or, you know, rest in peace, Eddie Guerrero. A toast to Eddie Guerrero. Ah, but anyway, the, uh, the last one was him and John Cena in like 2000. That was the last good one. And here comes AEW bringing it back and killed it. 
So we'll we'll like forgive them a Bob Dwyer match because they've been doing point. the other stuff so good. I mean, the other stuff's been fun, and you know they they know when they know they read their audience well. The audience loves them. Oh my God, I you know it. But I, I I cannot excuse that explosion though. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can't. But maybe they'll do it again. Maybe they'll get even be bigger. You know. <laughs> so. Oh. No, no. They sh- they should never ever attempt an explosion death match ever again. Ever. Like they they <laughs> okay. shot that load. It's done. They can't. No. They. And the bad thing was, it was a great match until the end. Like I feel so bad for John Moxley and Kenny Omega because they worked their ass and put in a great match and like built this dramatic ending and then it, you know, insert. Price is right, fail horn here. You know, bam, 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 bam. Exactly. The, the Moxley's so awesome. You know, you showed me Moxley. Moxley comes from indie background, right? You showed me some mm-hmm. of his earlier stuff. And he used Dude to is throw no actual death matches. Yeah, so so he could have handled that shit, even because uh, that's was said to be a lot less than what you were showing me that he was doing. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, he was Hang cutting on, his but... head with sauce. <laughs> EKG, oh. do me a favor. Yarp. Ask Richard about death matches. <sighs> Richard, oh, this, this is the reason death I came matches. on the show. <laughs> oh Talk my. about so death I... matches. Nathan and a buddy of ours, uh, one of our actors who is a wrestler named John, have made me sit and watch something called um, Tournament of Death. Yeah, oh my CCW, God. CCW, Tournament of Death. People are literally, you know, you see these really bad bumps and you see people get, uh, you know, ladder, TLC matches and all that. No, these guys are throwing each other down on beds of syringes on to cinder blocks that are on fire. They're hitting each other in the head with cinder blocks. They're getting weed eaters out and you just see blood flying. And Nathan just laughs the whole time as I'm vomiting profusely. It's <laughs> awful. I'm talking, there's one that stands with me is some huge guy getting about 50 bamboo skewers stabbed into his head. You know, like when you have shish kebab? Yeah. You know those? It's stabbed yeah. in his head, and then they just head plant him into the ground. And I'm like, oh, oh, he's dead. I just watched a murder. And it's not a murder Richard, because it's sanctioned. <laughs> I called that match. <laughs> I know. You I probably made the damn things in it. You called that There's a deathmatch wrestler by the name of Masada. He's the guy who started the skewer thing. So, Nathan, you call death matches. So let's bring it back to the roots here, the indie itself. What is that like to be in front and of all that gross, like, smells and and, and fury and sweat (laughs) and and blades and and all that stuff? What is it like? You have to go and describe the match and not lose your pool. At mm-hmm. least to a point, right? You have to keep your shit. Right. Has there yeah. been a time where you almost lost your shit? Wait, you're, you're uh, telling the guy who introduced everyone to crazy Dave tapes, uh, crazy Dave <laughs> tapes, he's going to lose his shit? No, I don't believe it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm okay. sure The way I ended up being, becoming a deathmatch commentator 
was I made a bunch of weapons when I went to Carnage Cup 7. Carnage Cup is the tournament. Like, Tournament of Death is won. The IWA Mid-South tournament, um, King of the Deathmatch tournaments won. There's a few major deathmatch tournaments every year. One of them is Carnage Cup. And Carnage Cup 7 was my first live deathmatch show, and they had a fans bring the weapons match. And I brought a bunch of shit, but one of the things I brought was a toilet seat wrapped in barbed wire. And that apparently got really popular and started being bring up, brought up on uh, podcasts. And so I was listening to one, and in the comments section, I'm like, next year they just need to have a Nathan Brings Weapons deathmatch. And Kevin, the booker of IWAD South, was like, okay, man. I'm like, wait a minute, are you serious? Like, yeah. Like, so the next year we have the Nathan Sadistic Playground match, <laughs> where I made all the weapons for it. <laughs> and for one reason or another, one wrestler showed up for the sole purpose of kicking one of the commentators' ass. He didn't show up. So Kevin comes up and he's like, hey, man, you want to call your match? And I was three sheets to the wind. Right, I, I was I was horror convention drunk. All right. <laughs> oh but God. I got on the mic and I called that match. And Kevin comes up, he's like, "That was pretty good. You want to do the rest of the show?" I'm like, yeah, I'm down. And I've called every Carnage Cup since. But it, you know, so I come at it from just being a fan for like 20 years, who was in the right place at the right time, and. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a bit of a sadistic streak. No, so, you, you're never. Yeah. No. So, so no. watching these matches, I'm enjoying the hell out of the bloodshed. I'm enjoying the hell out of the carnage and the mayhem, but it's still the the magic of the performance art of professional wrestling. They're just all taking it to an extreme Degree and mutilating each other and bleeding all over the fucking place. So I'm not into and death matches can, like that, can, man. When you watch <laughs> Richard, I remember your reaction when we were watching it on your screen. If you're there live and you can smell the blood, it's quite different. <laughs> I, I saw That's one though. Like, I went it, to it, a local show that uh, had a dude named Matt Sex Sells, which is my favorite wrestler of all times <laughs> now. I love Matt. Uh, By the and, way, I want to give a shout out to Matt. But in back in the days of Monstrosity Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. he was also the Alabama Wolfman. The Alabama Wolfman. I think you were telling me about that last time we met him. I love that. <laughs> I love that dude. All right, go on. No, uh, the first match, I, the first indie match I ever saw was called the Boozerweight, to where they're all just chugging beers before they wrestle. And I'm like, Haha, this is so funny. Look at them. They're it's hilarious. And all of a sudden. Matt and the guy he's wrestling gets fuck up something and smash a beer bottle and Matt starts bleeding. Now I'm talking about gushing blood and they just finished mm-hmm. the match and I'm sitting there going, there's no way anyone here. Cause there's five people in the crowd and one of them's an old lady and an old man who are drinking beer and milk at the same time. You guys aren't making more than 50 bucks tonight. There's no way a redneck white Russian, man. That's how it is. Uh, we call them the Trumps. Um, no, that's beside the point. But yeah, no, he just kept bleeding. The other guy started licking the blood, and I'm like, oh my god, these are dedicated members of an art community, because you're not doing this for money. You're not doing this for fame. You're doing this because you love wrestling, and you're like, I'm going to sell this damn show, okay, fabe, all the way. Dude, that's the thing. People always bring up the is it real or fake thing? 
which I hate the word fake when it comes to professional wrestling because it's it's predetermined. It's not fake. But yeah. you you can't fake gravity. No. There's no faking gravity. And like, yes, those dudes when they were in the ma- in the match were probably not going strong style. Which uh, strong style is a thing they do in Japan and sometimes in deathmatch wrestling where like they're like, you know how we could really convince people we're beating the shit out of each other. We should just beat the shit out of each other. Shit out of each other. That's right. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, one of my movies, man. But, you know, in that match, yes, they were working together to minimize the damage, but you can't fake getting cut like that. No. You know? And that's the dangers these guys go through every time they get in the ring. So, yeah, you, you your hat has to go off to them because they literally, without hyperbole, put their bodies and their lives on the line. Yeah. Yep, nope. Um, who, who, who's that guy that we saw um, at the last show, Nathan? I went to a show with you recently. The one, um, he, he fought a female wrestler, but his back was just the all tore up, and I was like, Akira. oh, God. Akira. Akira, okay. I just wanted to remember that. Shout out to Akira. That dude is amazing. He does a lot of death matches. I, I saw him for the first time at a death match tournament called the Gypsy Joe Invitational in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Tullahoma. Um, <laughs> shout out to Naughty Pines Hotel. But I left there going like, dude, I don't know who that kid is, but he's going to be something. And, like, in the two, in the year and a half since then, he has blown up. Like, he is everywhere. That guy that guy is the, is the future of deathmatch wrestling. For real. For real. So, <clears throat> you're not just here to talk about matches you've called in the past. You're about to call a match in May. And it's for an important cause as well. Can you want to talk about it a little bit? Absolutely. Um, a few months ago, we lost a dear friend of mine and a member of the uh, Deathmatch Wrestling community by the name of Colt John Arrett, a.k.a. Colt 45. That was what he was named, uh, known as. And I've always said, I've called some violent shit. There's only one thing that makes me cringe. That's barefoot deathmatches. Like, these guys wrestle barefoot with thumbtacks and shit in the ring. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? And he was the king of the barefoot match. Like, that was his thing. I'm like, wow, that's that's why I, on, I, I had a memorial shirt made for him by a uh, Japanese uh, artist by the name of Seozawa. And that's why I had it emblazoned with tough little bastard. Because he was a little dude, but he was tough as shit. And he was loved in the wrestling. It's rare in the wrestling business to meet someone who no one has a bad thing to say about. And no one has a bad thing to say about John. Everyone loved the shit out of John. And so losing him was a big, a big blow. And so since then, you know, like I said, I made the t-shirt. Someone else made the t-shirt. People have been, you know, doing stuff to help out the family. But on May the 1st at the Chatterbox Tavern in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, we're doing a show called 45, and it is a tribute to Colt 45. All the proceeds from the show are going to John's family. Because now I don't know how many of you have had to do it recently, but a funeral is stupid expensive. And any help we can give to the family is awesome. And tickets are only 10 bucks, which you can't beat that. And I will be there. I will be doing the commentary on that show. I am not sure yet if I'm going to be doing the MC ring announcing thing yet, but you know, I, I need to get with Brad Cash about that. But Brad, hit me up. We, um, 
and I'm at least going to be on commentary, and the card is ridiculous. We got a home run derby death match. It's going to be uh, Travis Dykes versus Jeff Cannonball. Jeff Cannonball is one of the guys that's killing it up in the uh, Northeast, where, like, deathmatch wrestling kind of lives at the moment, and he's one of the most slept-on guys possible. There's a Pits of Pain match. Tristan Ramsey versus, we were just talking about him, our boy Akira. We got, yeah. yeah. We got a street fight. Yeah, we got oh, a street that, fight between Damian Wayne awesome. and Tank. The main event, the one that's got me really – well, there's a few that's got me really excited. There's a Fans Bring the Weapons rumble that's got John Wayne Murdoch, Aiden Blackheart, uh, Alex Ocean. I can't remember the other guys at the moment, but those are like three of the names that are just destroying it. We got Raven Havoc versus Sarah Dox in a barefoot death match, so I'm going to be cringing on that one. My God, you just said event. something I forgot about, man. Barefoot death matches. I can't deal with those. <laughs> They're just yeah. disgusting. They really are. <laughs> I'm so not event, looking forward to that. The main event <laughs> is something truly special. I'm really excited. It's called. They're calling it an old school death match. I don't exactly know what that means, but what it sounds like to me is they're going to use like old school barbed wire, thumbtacks, whatever, and just. I know. I know. I personally know every one of these guys. I'm good friends with, you know, all of them, and they're. I, these guys are going to go and tear it up. You've got – it's a tag team match with Brad Cash, the Suicide King. He's a legend in the NWA Anarchy, and he's the guy that's actually putting on this show. And he's, he, I've seen that dude, like I've, – I've called hundreds of death matches. The last main event I saw with him, which is against Aiden Blackheart, who's also on the show, was in my top ten of all time. He's teaming with Terry Houston. Terry Houston was Colt 45's uh, tag team partner in the Deathmatch Junkies. They were former, you know, tournament winners and everything. So he he's there representing for his tag team, you know, partner. And I always say about Terry, Terry has beat Masada. Terry has beat Necro Butcher. Terry has beat Madman Mondo. So whatever some oiled up pretty boy in Connecticut wants to tell you, that's a legend killer, not Randy Orton. But they are going to be wrestling a team that hasn't been a tag team in over 10 years, but they are legendary. Like, especially in the Southern territories, yeah, in, both of them have won Carnage Cups. Both of them have been to the finals of the King of the Deathmatch tournament. But they have won tag team deathmatch tournaments. A team called Six Feet People have been after them to get back together for years, and they are, rena- they are reuniting for one night only for this show. It's Freak Show and Insane Lane. If you know anything about death matches, those two names will ring a bell because these, those, they're killers, man. They will absolutely destroy. And these four guys are going to mutilate each other for your entertainment. And it all goes for a good cause. So for ten bucks, you can show up at the Chatterbox Tavern in Knoxville on May first. Uh, the doors open at it looks like seven p.m. and <laughs> You're going to see shit you will not see anywhere else in the world, I guarantee you. And um, I mentioned that I'm going to my first death match, and that's because I'm going to actually go to this death match and see you uh, call it. And I'm really excited. You picked the first one. I guess so, but it seemed like it was the right time to do it. You know, it all kind of fell into place, like not even on purpose. All of it was very organic, actually. All of a sudden, I'm right. like, you know, let's go to yeah. a wrestling match. It's just going to happen that way. Hey, Richard, 
Oh, I'm not going. No, I'm not going. I'll send 20 bucks. I'll buy two tickets. I'm not going. Ooh, you said oh, there, come, come on, come on, oh, come come on, on bitch. Oh. I'm a chick and I'm going. <laughs> You're a tough chick. I, I, I'm a weak chick, man. Come on. <laughs> we can bond together on that. We, we even <laughs> each other out. New back added to the show. EKG versus Richard. <laughs> I, I can tell you the predetermined winner of that one. <laughs> Gonna fight, Richard. In a barefoot barbed wire exploding. No, barefoot thing. No, I can handle the barbed wire thing too. I'm actually have been thrown oh, into oh, real oh. barbed wire, so I know how to handle it. But that's another thing. I'm very accident prone. That's why I could never be a wrestler. I always wanted to be like the lovely Elizabeth. I hated when uh, Scary Sherry took over. I hated that. Um, but I'm really excited to do this. I'm also a little terrified, um, but it'll be an adventure, and I'm always willing to try new things and see it for myself. And I've never been to a live wrestling match on any scale, whether it was a WWE or or uh, AEW or an indie match. So this is all going to be a really big experience. And thank you, Nathan, for inviting me to come along. So I'm pretty excited. It's a different yeah, beast going to those live show. shows. Come on, Richard. Come on. Uh, you know I'm you like, want well, to. Like, and Richard, though, we actually have a date already. So I get <laughs> to see you first. I'm not good with the months, <laughs> but you're right. I think April is before May. <laughs> yeah, so you and the week before, I get to see you anyway. So talk about what you're doing, and, what, and you're going to be in detail on the next Witches show on our regular scheduled show. We're going to archive you episode. You're coming back for that. And um, oh Nathan, you're oh all, of course. It's a kaiju episode? I didn't it's know. It's a kaiju that. episode. Yes, it is. I thought you'd be really Ooh. excited to know it's a kaiju episode um, because King Kong versus uh, uh, Godzilla makes... comes out the next day. So, yeah. I kaiju shouldn't be episode. shocked, but yeah, that's great. That's smart. So, <laughs> but we're going to talk about your movie then. But talk about we're going to see each other at the film festival it was submitted to and got in. Yeah. Talk about yes. it real quick. So Mother Noose uh, presents Once Upon a Nightmare just got accepted into a Grindsploitation uh, Film Festival, which is this year going to be in Winchester, Virginia. I have no idea where that is. I just know it's north from, you know, the Bible Belt here. And uh, it's going to be at an Alamo Draft House that is still going to exist even with the bankruptcy. I double-checked with that. So we get to go and see our movie with uh, other badasses of Grindhouse films, uh, such as uh, – I'm not here to fuck spiders, uh, bad girls, and slasherette party. That's a great and, title. Yeah, man. I love it. Uh, so it's going to be really fun. There's a ton of short films, three-day festival. Uh, I have no idea who's going with me. I know Nathan's in the movie. I think he was really, really disturbing in it, and it looks like someone that likes death matches, so it's probably him. Uh, but, yeah, no, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to it. It's technically going to be our world premiere because I – you know, with COVID, I wasn't able to, you know, run out of theater and actually show it. So this will be our first one. And Winchester is kind of flat in the middle of nowhere. But if you go north of there, there's a buttload of things to do. There's, first of all, George Washington himself found a hot spring there called Bath, West Virginia, when he was 16 years old. And it's still there. And if it's open when there's no COVID, it's a spa. A real natural one with a Roman bath and the whole bit. It is awesome, and it's a state park. So you're also supporting 
the local community. So it's badass. Okay. And you can even get massages there and it's just awesome. Okay. And there's a I pool. Did- I did look how close Centralia, Pennsylvania was to it, and I may make people go with me to the dead ghost town just so I can say I've been to Simon Hill. If you want to go do something kind of cheesy ball that's not too far from you there as well, there's one of those old school dinosaur parks with the plaster ones, not the ones that move around like you get at Stone Mountain, they think. These are the old ones, like, you know, the... That kind, uh, you know, and it, that's not too far from there. Uh, that might actually be open because it's an outdoors thing. I'll have to look it up. There's a lot to do there. I explore that area all the time. And when they got an Alamo draft house, it was just kind of a bonus, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I've been out there a couple of times. Usually there's a, a lots of state parks up. If you drive up into the mountains there, there's lots of state parks there. Um, it's really uh, unfortunately, Winchester is not up in the pretty. It is in the fun. But it's right there, and it's accessible to all of that. So I love that area, and I was so excited to hear. And I haven't – I've been meaning to go to Genre Blast, and I've never actually done it. I've had friends have movies there, but I've seen them at other things, like that Air Film Festival, for example. Uh, so I, I got their back on that. But I'm really happy to get to go see your movie there. Good. I'm glad. I'm gonna be glad to see you. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, excellent. So, Richard, tell us what you're about to do. Other than this, what what do you have in store, and where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, of course, my next movie is going to be Valley of Snakes, starring Nathan Hamilton. Uh, yes. But before that happens, you can find <laughs> me at abuckshortproductions.com. Uh, we have Mother Noose on sale now or for pre-order. should be coming out very, very soon within the next month or so. I keep saying COVID does slow it down. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook under Richard Tanner or Abuckshort Productions. I am a complete whore for social media and for anything like that. So hit me up. I'll always be there. Excellent. And thank you, Richard, for coming on the show. And you will be on our show again on the 24th to talk about your launch in more detail about Mother Noose and uh, your upgrade to your first film, because you've made this is actually kind of like Evil Dead 2. It's not really a sequel. It's more like an update. Oh, my God. You're right. I didn't even, I haven't even put that together, because I think you once said that. I was a little bit like Sam Raimi, and I'm like, oh, I love it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Well, could you know, Sam Raimi, of course, wouldn't. Uh, and by the way, the anniversary of Evil Dead was two days ago, coming out in 1987, the best year ever for horror. Uh, so at least my age. Um, and wrestling wasn't too bad in the 80s either. Uh, so I'm really glad both of you came on. Nathan, once again, where can they find you on the interwebs and repeat the time and date of the wrestling Okay, the show is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just go to Facebook and search 45, a memorial for Colt 45. And you'll be able to find out all the details. It's on May 1st. Everyone go check that out. Where you can find me? Well, um, actually, I have another very exciting uh, announcement that I'm going to give as an exclusive on (laughs) this podcast right here. (laughs) No one knows this yet except who has been listening to this. I have a new podcast coming out. It's called Sell Your Soul. The Picking Brains Boys, me and Brad Slayton, are doing a podcast about classic soul music. 
<laughs> which <laughs> people, you are the selling point of that. Yeah, like we are, we, we're both. He's the only person I know who's as passionate about classic soul music as I am. And some the episodes we have recorded are very interesting. But it's it's weird because we, it's at one point the most normal, informative podcast we've done. But we both also get very intoxicated when we do these. But we sound brilliant, kind of like how I do commentary on wrestling. But this show is launching May 22nd. I'm sorry, May 26th. May 26th is a Friday. It also happens to be Phoenix Day. It also happens to be Diana Ross's birthday. It also happens to be Rufus Thomas's birthday. It also happens to be Teddy Pendergrass's birthday. <laughs> okay. The birthday of the Sell Your Soul podcast. So on the 26th, which is in like less than two weeks, Everybody watch out for the uh, debut of Sell Your Soul. Fantastic. And I'll be there. I, definitely. And um, I hope you bring, I, I'm going to say this again, bring back Hot Dead Watching. We can't wait. It's one of, everyone loves it. It's one of our favorites. Please bring it back when you have a time. Uh, and, to, quote um, a, to quote a classic, Hot Dead Watching will be back sooner than you think, but longer than you wish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I knew you would say something along those lines. And Thank you for being on the show. We're going to let everyone go for the evening. Once again, our next episode will be the 24th. And Richard Tanner will rejoin us for that episode to talk if you tell about his movie and making his movie. Nathan's welcome to come on, of course. And in the second hour, it's all about the big, big monsters. Yes, it's Kaiju Talk. And I know both this is wheelhouse for both the gentlemen here, so that's why I'm saying they can come back on. Nathan crammed all of them during the madness, like all of them. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. I did. But there's kaiju more than just Toho. There is, a, like, that's just the tip of the kaiju iceberg. There is so much kaiju out there from all over the world that, I mean, heck, even the names of the Viking epics have large monsters that have tails that go around the world that can eat themselves. We've always liked God, large what monsters. monstrosities are what monstrosities might be frozen in the kaiju iceberg? Uh, you don't even want to know. I mean, if they wake up, they're going to start eating everything, potentially melt stuff, because you know it's going to be a global warming metaphor this time around. <laughs> so, but anyway, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. I'm going to leave you all tonight with Judith. Everyone knows the song. Um, it is the unofficial anthem of AEW, but it's one of those songs you just can't get out of your head. And I love the look on Chris Jericho's face every time someone plays it and the audience sings to him. And you can tell when he's acting, but you can see this little like twinkle in his eye that just ever so slightly reads is like, yeah, this is the shit. <laughs> and it is. I'm sure once the fans are back, they're going to embrace the mainstream as well as the indie. I'm glad that everyone is alive and COVID safe. And good night, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks with Judas on my mind. Good night. In my mind. (laughs) Good night, guys. Thank you.